Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. You got your Bibles this morning, hallelujah, or your phone or whatever you use. I love the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to go back to a scripture that we looked at, I think, the last couple of weeks in Daniel chapter 10. I just want to pull something a little different out of it this morning and start there. Daniel chapter 10. Gives us an account of when Daniel had prayed for three weeks about a matter, and uh, finally, the, the, uh, an angelic being, uh, a, a spiritual, glorious spirit, shows up and uh, and talks to him, and tells him that for three weeks, so the whole time he's been praying, there's been a battle going on in the heavenlies, and uh, and it's his prayers that kept that that kept him coming, that it kept winning the battle. So he finally won the battle, and that's, and that's kind of what we focus on, Daniel chapter 10. Usually we talk about uh, this battle in the heavenlies, we have to understand this spiritual warfare, and that's all true. But I just want to look at one other aspect of that scripture, because it does say, um, where is it? And, well, I'll just, I'll just go to verse 20. And, and he said, do you, do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, and so I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come to you. Uh, earlier in that chapter, he talks about uh, he had to fight the prince of Persia. And the prince of Persia is a, is a, is a ruler spirit, a demonic ruler spirit assigned to, the, to that kingdom to... Uh, cause it to be ungodly in culture, in their society, to mistreat people, just to, be, to, to, to come against the purposes of God for any nation. And what we have to understand is that that hasn't gone away. I, I, I'm convinced that the, the enemy today has ruler spirits assigned to various nations, not just to people, not just somebody to assign to nations, to cause them to be ungodly, to not accomplish the purposes of God for them. And we have to understand that because there's a battle going on to, for, for our nation and what I have seen in my lifetime about the, the moral, the social degradation that's happened in our country, it bothers me, and I know what it is. It's the enemy. It's the devil. He's been assigned to this. He's been assigned since the, probably since the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. Because he knows that this nation was destined to do something for God and he's been fighting it the whole time. And he's very patient. He's willing to take hundreds of years to see his plan come to pass. You know, the best example I know of is, is Ho Chi Minh. You know, Ho Chi Minh was fighting the French in, in, 19, in the late 1940s when it was French Indochina. I mean, he was fighting. It was, the Vietnam War didn't start. 
It started with us back in the 60s, but they were fighting the French before that. And Ho Chi, Minh, Ho Chi Minh knew that if he just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting, and one of these days he's going to win, and he fought for what? 40 years or something, and he finally won. And that's the way the devil is. The devil says, I'll take as much time as I need because people get tired of fighting, and I'll win. But he's not going to win in my name, Jesus' name. But you have to understand that evil spirits. That's what look, the Apostle Paul wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Evil spirits assigned to, to nations to turn them and their culture away from God. And, we, and you know, what, what makes a nation want to rule the world? I mean, there's been countless ones over the years. Every, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and, and down through, the, there's always somebody that wants to rule the world. What is that? It's, it's the enemy. It's because God wants harmony. God wants peace. God wants unity. And they just want, they want separation. I mean, the, the Axis powers of World War II. Japan, Germany, Italy. They want to rule the world in, in, with an evil, corrupt system. I'm getting somewhere. Hang on. But, we, but it's not just evil nations that have rural spirits controlling them. I mean, you, you look today, you, you probably say, well, like, say, North Korea, the hermit kingdom, ruling their people, controlling, enslaving them, dominating them. It's the enemy. It's the devil over that nation. But it's not just evil nations. It's every nation. Even free, what you might call free democratic nations. Britain, Canada, United States. I believe that there are, there are ruler spirits assigned to this nation to cause it to, to become uh, morally corrupt, ungodly in its, in its laws and its ways. And, and, and within the nation regions, and cities, you know, I think of cities like San Francisco. What's the word? New Orleans, I couldn't think of New Orleans. I, I, all I could think of Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana, you know, certain Vegas, Sin City, you know, they call it Sin City. Because the devil, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So what's the answer? How can we turn this around? That's, what, that's my cry to God. God, how can we turn it around? What's the answer? The, answer is, the only answer is God. We need a visitation from God. The only solution is a visitation of the Spirit of God. And this has happened before in our nation. You know, a lot of there's a lot of people are not aware of the uh, hist uh, historical, uh, the history of Christianity in this country. I mean, it was founded by Christians, but it, it, it began to slip. And 
in the in the 1700s, where's, let me, in, in the 1730s and into the 1740s, there was what they call the first great awakening with Jonathan Edwards of preaching. And God, God moved in a, in a tremendous way in this country. And then there was the second great awakening. The country slipped again, uh, spiritually, morally. And there was a second great, great awakening uh, from uh, around 1795 to about 1835. And, and it's around the turn of the century, there was the Azusa Street Revival. And there was the great healing revival that broke out uh, in the late 1940s and into the 50s with men like uh, Oral Roberts and William Brandom and T.L. Osborne and Jack Coe and all, you know, Gordon Lindsay. People, people don't know who's Gordon Lindsay. He was a tremendous man of God. I mean, you've heard of Oral Roberts, but maybe you don't know William Branham. He was a very simple man, but he had tremendous miracles. But this healing revival, it, you know, I grew up in New England, and it, the healing revival, if it came to New England, I didn't know about it, but these men would travel around the country with these huge tents that seated thousands of people, and they'd show up somewhere, and, and literally thousands and thousands of people would come to these meetings. God was moving, and God was changing our nation. But it, and, then, and then there was the charismatic revival that hit the major denominational churches. You know, most people in Rome have no idea that there was a tremendous spiritual revival in Rome almost 200 years ago now. It was 1825 when Charles Finney came, and, and, there was, and there was, when he left, he was there for about six weeks, and when he left, they said they didn't know of anybody in Rome that wasn't saved. The whole city, and if somebody was not saved, they didn't, they, it's like they didn't, it's like they kind of hid, you know, they just, they didn't come out. But it was a tremendous revival. And God did it. And how'd that happen? How'd, I'll tell you, why, why did the Spirit of God show up so hard when Finney came? Because it was a guy, a, a, an, an Episcopal priest. Father Nash. He would come, he would come about a couple weeks before Finney. And he'd get a room and he'd just start interceding. He'd moan and he'd groan and he'd cry out to God and cry out to God and cry. To, and, and those times where people, people called the police because they thought somebody was dying. And he'd come and he'd intercede and he'd cry out to God. And Finney would come and bang, the Spirit of God would hit that place and, and, and people would get saved and God would change the whole culture. The whole culture would change because of, because of what God was doing. And I, and you know, and I believe it, we're not beyond that today. But we have, you have to, something inside of us has to rise up, and get, and, and say, God, we've had enough. We've had enough. And it's, I tell you, and this, what, what's going to change our country is not the election booth, but we're going to be on our knees praying and crying out to God, and God's going to move. But we have to, we have to get fed up with what's going on. We have to take on the mantle and say, God, we're going to do this in Jesus. We're going to pray. It's prayer. Prayer is going to break it. Prayer is going to move God, and God is to show up in our nation and, re, and begin to restore us back to the original purpose. I tell you, there's, there's too much going. We have to be able to, we have to do this in Jesus' name. It's up to us. It's up to us. Because while all this move of God was going on, the charismatic revival and everything, there was a, there was a counterculture that was happening. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was moving in our country. 
And, and it, the epitome of that was Woodstock, 1969. I tell you, my wife and I were living in Newburgh, New York, not very far, and, and 400,000 people showed up. And it was all, and, and it was it's an anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. They didn't want God, they wanted everything else but God. And that's been taking over our country, and it just really bothers me. And uh, but I don't think it's just a personal thing. I feel like it's God. God wants us to. to uh, God wants to take action and change it in Jesus' name. In Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, let no one, verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come. Well, let's back up a little bit. Now, with respect, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you be not quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a letter either by a spirit or a messenger or a letter, as if from us to the effect of the day of the Lord has come. So somebody was lying and they were passing around letters saying, no, it's already happened. The day of the Lord has come. But he said, but it will not, it will not come. Let no one deceive you, for it will not come the day of the Lord until the apostasy, the falling, some Bible says a great falling away, a great falling away in apostasy is going to take place. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition. The apostle Paul said there's going to be an apostasy in the last days. There's going to be an apostasy. And the Greek word is apostasia. And it means an abandonment of truth, spiritual truth. In the world and in the church. God, we need God. But it's going to get birth. It's going to get solved in prayer. And that's where I want to go this morning. In a familiar scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Let me just give you a little background on this, on this verse of scripture. Solomon has just completed the temple, this magnificent temple for the Jewish people where the presence of God is going to reside. And it says in chapter, you don't have to, in chapter 6 it says, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and he spread out his hands. And Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high and he had set it in the midst of the court, and he stood on it, knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands to heaven, and, and he started praying. And he basically, he's praying, he's saying, God, uh, I, and he prays, if, uh, if, if your people are, if, if there's a plague, if there's a famine, if your people are defeated, if man sins against you, if all these bad things happen, if people will turn their face to this place and pray, then I ask you, God, to hear from heaven and to heal and to move on our behalf. 
If, if we, even if we're brought into, even if we sin against you, and because of that we're defeated by our enemies, and we're brought into captivity, even in a foreign land, Lord, if we turn our face toward this place, toward your house, and pray, then I'm, then I'm asking you to hear from heaven and to move and to restore us to our homeland. So he's praying, all, if all these negative things, if we just pray to this place, God, hear us and move. And this, and Second, Second Chronicles chapter 7 is God's response to his prayer. And listen to what it says in verse 12. Second Chronicles, I'm going to start in Second Chronicles 7 and verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among the people, all these things that he cried. He said, if... If all these bad things happen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. And that's what we need. That scripture applies to us. God, for, for a large, in a large way, we have turned, this nation has turned its back on you. You know, when when Daniel read in the prophetic books that the nation of Israel was going to be in captivity for 70 years, he began to pray because that 70 years was up. He began to pray, and he cried out to God. He said, God, we have sinned against you. The reason why we're in captivity is because we sinned against you. But you notice Daniel didn't say they sinned against you. Daniel identified as one of the people. And now we haven't, we haven't turned our backs on God. But we're part of a nation that has, been, to a large degree, has turned their backs on God. So I will say, God, we, as a nation. Now, it maybe not applies to me, but I'm, I'm still part of this country. I say, God, we've turned our backs on you. We've, we've become socially and morally corrupt in a lot of ways. And so we're asking you, Lord, to come and to pray. That we'll come to come and to heal our land in Jesus' name and to cry out to him and to pray, and to pray and to pray and to pray. But first of all, we have to turn our hearts to God, and not this nation. See, God is going to move when the body of Christ prays. God says, if my people, the world isn't going to pray for this. They don't want, they don't care about God. They don't, they don't, they're not living for God. But God puts the, puts the burden uh, for revival on, on, the, on his people. And I'm not saying you're not praying. I'm, it's, I just, I'm not accusing anyone. I'm not pointing a finger. What I feel like God is, God wants to stir us up and, get, and have something arise in us that wants to cry out to him and say, God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to start praying and praying and praying until God moves. <coughs> because what do, we have to, what do we have to do as a body? Number one, we have to humble ourselves. What does that mean? It means submission to God and his ways. Be teachable, having, letting God change us if we need to change. Humble ourselves, the Bible says. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you. But we have to humble ourselves. The Bible always says we have to humble our. God's not going to humble us. We have to humble ourselves. We have to be submitted, kneel before God and say, here I am, God. Speak to me. Change me if you have to change me. Humble ourselves and pray. We have to, be on, we have to pray. We have to spend time in prayer before God. We can't just pray a minute or two. 
You know, there's a scripture I was reading in Isaiah uh, last week in my just my normal Bible reading, and I came across this scripture in Isaiah 64, which I I knew, but it rem- it just kind of hit me. In Isaiah 64:1, it says, "Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, God. That's what we want you to rend the heavens and come down." So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray that I'm gonna pray that over and over and over again. I'm gonna lift my voice. I'm gonna pray in tongues. I'm going to get on my knees and cry out to for our nation. Say, God, we need a move of your spirit. Here I am, God. I'm giving myself to you in prayer and intercession for our country. God, move. Visit the Supreme Court. Visit the Congress. Visit the Senate. Visit the White House, God. Visit our, visit our state. Visit our county. Visit our city in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray and cry out to you for a move of your spirit. God, we have to see change. There has to, there has to be change, and you can do it if we pray. We have to humble ourselves. We have to pray. And the Bible says we have to seek his face. What is that? That's relationship. Drawing near to God. Being hungry for God. Wanting more of God in our lives. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And finally it says we need to turn from our wicked ways. Excuse me. speaks of living in holiness and righteousness. But to this one I will look, Isaiah wrote, but to this one I will, God said, God spoke through Isaiah and said, but to this one I will look, to him who, who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Who, and contrite means to feel, to feel sorrow for remorse or of a sin. So we need to bow our knee before God. But if we will, if we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, God says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. This is not an impossible task that we're facing. God is the God of the impossible. Now, we have a prayer meeting on Friday. I'm not saying everybody needs to come to Friday prayer. We do pray on Fridays from 7. If you want to come, fine. But, God, but in your own personal time, God needs us as a, body, as a body to cry out to him. Say, God, we need you. We need a visitation of your spirit. We need you to visit our nation, to visit our city, to visit our land. In Jesus' name. God is not going to respond until we move first. In James chapter 4, James wrote, Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It's up to us to draw near to God first, and then God will draw near to us. And then in James chapter 5, he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, someone who's living for God, who's living, there, who's living holy and separated unto God. Living, our prayers of a righteous man avail much. I just feel this is a, I feel by the Spirit of God, this is a critical time uh, for our nation. See, the devil knows the scriptures. And he knows that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And that's what he's, that's what he's trying to bring division into every part of our country. You know, things like, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big on politics. All I know is this, this identity politics where everybody has, has to identify with a group. It's like we're not Americans anymore. We're... We're, we're this group, or that group, or this group. We're all divided. 
God wants us to be one. And the church needs to come together as one and cry out to God, and he'll move, and he'll join us together as one. The weapons of our warfare, the apostle Paul wrote, the weapons of our warfare are not mighty, are, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We don't fight with physical weapons. We fight with spiritual weapons. It's time for the church to pick up its spiritual weapons and fight. Praise the Lord. The focus of our prayers needs not to be on the negative. You know, I don't, I don't pray against people. I pray against what's happening in our country. In Jonah, look what it says in Jonah. We talked about Jonah on Wednesday, but we didn't, we didn't say this. In Jonah chapter 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim, proclaim it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. In verse 4, he, cried, he began to go through the city. He cried out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called, they called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and sat on ashes, and he issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let man or beast or herd or flock taste a thing, do not let them even drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let the men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way, from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we may not perish. When, Dan when Jonah came to Nineveh, he did not say, if you don't repent, God's going to judge. There was not repentance offered. All he said was, God's going to judge. But they, they said, we're going we're to turn to God. And here's how... In, in, Israel's, in Israel's history, there was David, after David and Solomon, the, the, the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And they began to fall into idolatry. And if you read like in 2 Kings and in Chronicles, whenever there was a godly leader, the nation turned to godliness. Whenever there was a, 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 a wicked leader, an idolatrous leader, the nation turned to idolatry. And they, it's like they were following the leaders. But here in Nineveh, it, to me, it, it's the opposite. The, the revival, you might say, the, started with the, it started in, in the people, the common people. Look what, look what it says. And the people of Nineveh believed God. And they called a fast. They called a fast, not the king. And, they, and they, they called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king, so that it started with the people. They started fasting and praying and crying out to God. And the king heard about it. And he jumped on the bandwagon. But it started, with the, it started you might say, with the people. And I just feel like that's what God wants to do. And we starts with the church. It's not going to start at the, at the top. But if the, if the people, the, the average Christians will just start praying, God will move. 
What happened? And, and God said, I'm going to judge. He never, he never said repent. He never said, if you repent, I'll change. He just said, I'm going to judge you. And they said, we're going to cry out to God. And they, they cried out so much that God, God relented and changed. God moves when the people start crying. Thank you, Jesus. So it's time for us to pick up our weapons, our weapons of prayer. And this morning when I was praying, I felt this rise up on the inside of me. The poem, Paul Revere's Ride, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. You, we know, I don't know, the kids, do kids get that poem? How many, how many people can start to recite it? Listen, my children, and you shall hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Remember that poem? On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. But listen to what it says. Remember? He said, I'm going to, one of my land, two of by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk, for the country folk to be up and to arm. Hallelujah. That's what he did. He rode off. He said, to arms, to arms. Pick up your arms. It's time to fight. And that's what God wants to do with the church. God is, God's going to send some Paul Revere's through the church saying, it's time to pick up our arms and fight. Get out of bed. Stop being sleeping. Pick up your arms and fight. Get on your knees and call out to God. Cry out to God. The people of Nineveh did. What did the people of Nineveh basically do? They humbled themselves. They prayed. They turned from their wicked ways. And I'm drawing a total blank. Thank you, Jesus. I don't got my, I'm not getting it. What's that? If my will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's and turn, but that's what they did. They humbled themselves, they prayed, they sought his face, they turned from their wicked ways, and what did God do? He moved. And he'll move in our land. I'm not giving up on the United States of America. I'm not giving up. I don't care who's in power. It's not about who's in power. It's about God coming. No matter. No matter who's in power. Whether we think they're good or whether we think they're bad. I'm going to cry out to God to move in our country. To, to move in power, in might, in demonstration, to convince people that there is a God in heaven and we're gonna, and to see him move. I want to see it in my lifetime. I'm gonna, I am praying more and more and more for our nation and I pray that it'll get on you and, and, it'll get, and other churches will pick up the torch and start praying and crying out to God and see God move in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up. 
let a righteous anger arise within us for what the enemy has done to our nation. Let us cry out to you, God, with all of our hearts so that you'll move in our midst, move in our land, begin to restore us in Jesus' name as we cry out to you. I thank you, Lord, as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and pray, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. You'll hear from heaven. You'll forgive our sin and heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to receive communion this morning. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anyway. One reason why I don't personally listen to a lot of talk radio, because all it focuses on is the negative. This one said this, and this one's doing this. It's all negative, negative. I want, I want, to, I want to be crying out to God. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't listen to talk radio. I'm not saying that. But you've got to be careful how much negative... You listen, because then that's all you can talk about is who's doing what thing that we don't agree with. I want it. I want my. I want my focus to be on God. God, come, move, move in our midst. God. Show yourself strong on our behalf. Be God. Be God in our lives. Be God in our city. Be God in our state. Be God in our country. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.